hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So today, I know it's going to be a good one. I say it all the time, and quite honestly, never disappointed. And today will certainly not be an exception. Nikita Ren Bigpin. Okay, so why? Why, why, why did I want to talk to this lady? Was it her red lipstick that's so gorgeous in her picture? Perhaps. But more than that, she is on a mission. I love anybody on a mission. Let's keep going. She's the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world, activating power couples, married women entrepreneurs, and a few bold leaders who are ready to recalibrate. Love anything that starts again, re, to begin to start over. To recalibrate and own their right to be intentionally selfish. Self. Fish, let's go to amplify relationship intimacy and live life fully. I can't wait. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And tell us about you. Anywhere we're going to start. Let's go. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, for having me. We already are vibing on so many <laughs> things. <laughs> so many levels. Pre-green room conversation, all of it. Thank you again for having me. I'm Nikita Rinthigpen. I'm excited as always to share anything that I can about helping people really create spaciousness for themselves. For me, that's what being intentionally selfish is. I redefine the egotistic version of that word because I figured old white men can get people, you know, new words in the lexicon. So can a black woman and so can anyone else. And here we go. And here we go. Right. Let's go. So I redefined the word for a couple of reasons. The new definition is a personal intimate gift to create your joy. Gift is an acronym, which I'm happy to dig into in a second. But the reason that that word, when it came into my spirit as, you know, when I was visualizing, well, what am I going to call my memoir, my survivor story, my personal transformation story that took me eight and a half years to write. I didn't rush it. I wanted to be honest and transparent, which meant I had to go in and see all the pieces of me that I tried to bury in order to pull it up and to really be honest and transparent, quite honestly, about everything that I had been through. 
And when I first heard the word and I kind of visually saw it in my spirit, I was like, what? Visceral reaction, selfish. I'm not selfish. I'm the least selfish person I know, right? Because I was also a part of the scripting that we all get that selfish is bad. Selfish is for other people. Selfish is definitely not for women. You're not supposed to do those things, all of it. But I did, I'm a nerd, no apologies there. So I did a lot of research and I looked at all the different translations of the originations of words, the root, the prefix, all of it. And the word selfish got into the lexicon somewhere in the mid to late 1600s because a Pentecostal bishop who was approached by a group of female parishioners that were asking for guidance, because we know in the 1600s, you ask for guidance from the pastor, the priest, whatever your hierarchy is in your religious context. You ask for permission to do anything that you're not sure about if you haven't understood it from the Bible in your own way. And back then, women were considered chattel to their husbands. You were property. And they wanted the right to say no for different things, including sex. When my husband wants sex and I don't, how can I say no and still be obedient to God? And the bishop said, well, you're supposed to have sex with your husband because that is your duty. Unless you are pushing a baby out of your hoo-ha or you are on your menses, those are the only two legitimate reasons for you to say no. Otherwise, you are being selfish. And that word got into our lexicon. And we as women hold each other down and shame each other because you missed a recital or you didn't make it to all five seasons of the basketball tournament or whatever. Like, oh, you're the mom that's not here that's participating. How selfish of you to choose ambition, to choose creating legacy, to choose, I don't know, yourself and resting for a moment. Exactly. Yeah. And I just wasn't here for it. I am absolutely a 21st century child. I'm grateful that I wasn't born in the 1600s because I'm pretty sure they would have called me a witch and strung me up somewhere as a homeopathic woman and as a woman who believes in the power that we have as humans, but especially the magical power that we have as women who have the right to own our space and to own our bodies and to own how we refuel and do all of the work that we want to do for ourselves to go to the next level. So that's really the context of why I decided that word and why to reframe it as a personal intimate gift to create your joy, your way. Okay. Love, 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 love. And it's funny because I do that sometimes too with words that just come to you. Like again, when you you use that word recalibrate, And I had done years ago, like a year in review, and it was a transformational year. And I also love looking in the dictionary and the thesaurus and here's what I'm thinking, but what are the other meanings? And I found the word re, and then anything you do after it as the prefix, a thousand different meanings, all for, you know, beginning again restart, bloom, whatever it is. And it really was interesting way to capture the journey I had just come out of and yet recognize almost, you know, as the butterfly develops before you, what awaits. A thousand percent. I love how you had a fancy way of saying I'm a nerd too. That was awesome. I heard that nerd life. I heard it. I vibe with it. (laughs) Who even uses the, I still have one. Like, just give it to me so I can look. I don't even ask Google for it. I have to look it up. (laughs) I love it so much. But the fact that you were like, I was experiencing something. I had 
either gone through, I was on the other side of this particular part of the process because we know that we're going to re something multiple times if we're blessed enough to be here multiple days, right? But you resonated with a process of your experience, which was the same exact thing that I was going through. I was really back, I think it was probably around November-ish of 2011. My husband and I had started our company, Big Pro Balance Relationship Management Institute, which is the personal development company we own today. We started it officially that May 17th prior. We just hit 11 years this year, 2022. And at the time I was really struggling with trying to figure out what was my next part of the process. I came from a context and a career of being a licensed clinical social worker and trauma specialist before we started the company. Um, And I'm still all those things in terms of title and what I hold. That's just not how I show up in my work. And I was in this this weird space in my life of wanting to have room for me, have room for the growth of this infant company that we had just started months before, still be a wife, still be a mother, still be integrated in, you know, pickups and drop-offs and, and all the things. And both of my kids had different impairments that were going on with them physically that required extra energy, right? With the medical appointments and follow-ups and all of it. And at the same time, I was like, where's me? (laughs) You know, where do I have room for the stretching? And my husband is incredibly supportive. My kids are amazing. They stress me out just like any other amazing kids would do, (laughs) right? And with all of that, I still felt beholden to, okay, I'm volunteering at my church and I have usher duties and I have friends that want me to support their kids' things. And I wanted to be everywhere. The problem with that is all the busyness, and I use that word, very intentionally, all the busyness was pulling me away from my personal lesson. My personal lesson of giving myself permission to pause and slow down and see what was really happening around me. There was growth that was trying to occur. And I kept like a rubber band popping it back because it was like, nope, I don't have time. I don't don't have time to be angry. I don't have time for tears, right? Just going through all of the motions that of a lesson that was going to come no matter how much I pushed it back. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's persistent and yet never goes away. No, no. It does not. It's going to bite you one way or another. And that for me was part of the triumph and the challenge of embodying selfishness in the way that I mean it so that I could really share it as hope and victory in a transparent, non-teachy way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I always say it's selfish is really self, it's self-care. It's call it what you want. It's a word like, again, Judge McJudgers, F you, you know, it's because this is so important. How do you bring yourself to be at your best at church? to be at your best cheering on those kids or even just getting them and being a friend and being a wife. Oh, being a business, like be, 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 how, how, how. It's not for the faint of heart. And you were so able to just recognize early on (laughs) before there were just the ashes of Nikita waiting there for someone to come and sweep it up and say, okay, let's, let's add a little water to her now. And and we can bring her back to life. So you took it upon yourself. It was difficult, especially as a ambitious human, right? And not everyone, I know that word is like loosely used, but not everyone is honestly ambitious. Some people just know how to get things done, but they're not necessarily creating more opportunities. 
And I was a full-time doctoral student in the middle of all this. Like I was definitely, you know, you know, because you had a little extra time. Here's 10 minutes. Let me fill it with that. (laughs) Right. And they're added in the 40 pounds of staying up till four in the morning to get the papers done before. Right. Like all all of the things that come with being over 30, you know, way back when all that time. I think also I struggled honestly with the reality that claiming something like being intentionally selfish meant forcing myself to be an outlier that I was always meant to be because I've never been normal. (laughs) I've always been weird. And the problems that I experienced along my journey were when I was trying to be normal, like trying to force myself in a box that other people could digest. Yes. Yes. And that, that was a challenge. So you knew that if I just played a little small, Mm -hmm. I could be right in that line with everyone else, but that's not what you were created for. Clearly at all, because. (laughs) At all, on every level. But you know, it's hard to be different, right? Like when we're, when our brains are different, when we think different, when we play different, when we speak different, when we love you know, in a healthy way, that is very different than what many people are used to. And it's very easy to conform to the expectations of others just to get through it, right? Like sometimes you're like, I I can deal with the conflict. I don't want to create the conflict. Let me just minimize myself, dim my light, act like what they just said was new information. Like, oh, okay. Knowing daggle well, (laughs) you know? Right. It's something that you've not only known, but implemented and applied and, you know, all the things for years. But I did that partially when I was really, really honest with myself, Stephanie, it was because that inner child in me, that Kia, that little person who hadn't fully grown up to Nikita yet, even though I was well in my thirties and a mom and all the things, that person was still holding on to wanting to be held and created a safe space for herself and to be loved and not abandoned by her mother because I was at nine years old and my father's in and out of jail and all the things. And I just wanted that feeling of being wanted outside of my husband and my kids because you know, that's different, right? It is different. Sure. My family loves me and I appreciate that. But what about everyone else that I'm coming in contact with? And I had a lot of inner child healing repair work to do. And there was no space on my schedule for me to do it if I wasn't intentionally selfish. If I didn't create that space so I could do my work, so I could forgive myself, so I could let go of other people's expectations. Hell, so I could let go of my private expectations of myself that were no longer serving anything that I wanted to do at this age versus oh, when I'm 20 something, I'm going to do these 10 things by this point in my life and badgering myself for not achieving it on that timeline as a lot of ambitious humans do. So it was really about me selfishly before it was about the world. (laughs) And it continues to be. And the lessons, you know, what's nice is the, the, I mean, hellacious is not even a word that can probably start to describe your journey, but yet thankfully. Yes, it happened to you, the person who wasn't going to play small, who was fighting it all along, who was okay sometimes walking on the left side instead of the right side to get the story out, to share it. There's so many of others out there with that 
childhood experience that could be well into adulthood and still just just on the treadmill, just, you know, you're dancing as fast as you can because you don't want to look back. And if you just took the time and forgive, and it's interesting when you said forgive yourself as a nine-year-old, but I'm no expert in anything. It's interesting that you felt you had to, but you did because you had to let go of what the nine-year-old was thinking, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've learned that it was never you. It was definitely never me. And that's a really good, it was a good point that you brought up, but that was part of the understanding and the work, right? Like there was nine-year-old that immediately became parentified who was left in the home of perpetrators that perpetrated my mother. And that was part of why she medicated with drugs, but then she left me with them. And there was all of all of that that continued. And in the middle of it, I created a script as a little person that I wasn't worthy. I wasn't enough. I was bad. I did something. To you did this. something. I, I did something like who, who walks out on their child. Right. Like all of it. And that was a script that was imprinted deeper by my behaviors going up into adulthood. And that was really what I had to get to, which took quite a long time. Three years of therapy what didn't do it because therapy wanted to go into the other deep-rooted dysfunctional things of my parents, but never gave me the opportunity. And she was an excellent therapist, so I'm very careful there. But it didn't give me the opportunity to look at how did all of those things that were caused by parents and grandparents and supposed safe people, what did that do for my worldview that I then started to create behaviors that justified the scripts and made them real, which was the forgiveness that I had to do. Like you did this because of, and it's okay. So now let's forgive your younger self all the way up twenties, all of it, so that you can see that you can be released from those emotions and released from the anchors that are holding you and be okay with, you know what? There were some crazy things that happened in your younger years, right? Like it was some wild things that you willingly did because of those scripts and those views. And you're still here. You have another day, another opportunity to create a new canvas. And a lot of us are afraid to start that new painting of their new reality because they still feel bad. They still feel not enough. They're still holding themselves to that inner child that's driving their adult decisions. Like, no, we're going to do this now, right? Like, And if you forgive yourself, you release yourself and allow the inner child to just be who she is or who he is. But I didn't release myself. The child after all, it's- Exactly. You're at whatever young age and at the hands of people, mad adults, as simple as that. That's through whatever their struggles are. They threw them onto you, but you found your way, which is amazing. And then, well, let me take that to the 10th power of wow. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I definitely didn't do it alone. I have what I call mother angels that came into my life at different points because that was a wound that I had there. I had a father wound too, but As a woman, I think the mother wound was really the, what's it called when the sand is just falling in? What is that? A sinkhole? Yeah, sinkhole. Like like a sinkhole. The mother wound was like the sinkhole for me, even though my father had done plenty. But that was really the one that was pulling me in and suffocating. How interesting. Okay. So 
I read some of your works and you teach about how divorcing yourself, your words are that they just speak to me because who else uses that word with yourself? Divorcing yourself can propel your personal and business expansion. We're going to get to the business side in a little while, but you're only as good as you are. So let's stay on us a little. Let's be selfish, damn it. And let's just talk about us, us, and us. So (laughs) divorcing yourself, how does that even come to play? So for me, it came uh, back in 2015. My oldest, who's almost 26, was graduating high school. And I was dealing with a lot of scarcity I was like, oh my God, we don't have enough savings for him for whatever it is that he wants to do. And my son looks like me, but more masculine, but he's my clone visually. And I kept seeing myself in him. When I was starting college, I had no financial support. My grandmother, who was my guardian, literally refused to even fill out the financial aid papers to see what I could qualify for. So I had to declare independent, you know, all the things. And it was, it was such a chaotic and scary moment at, you know, 17 and a half to be going through all of this. And I moved out, moved out on my own, like all of it. And I was seeing myself and my son, as we typically do with people who are close to us thinking, how dare I be this far in the process and have sacrificed so much I'm a professional, I'm a clinician, I have all these accolades, but we know clinicians don't get paid that much money, right? Like, you know, I was barely making a teacher's salary, which is horrible that teachers get paid that way and social workers. And my business was a few years old at that point. We were still trying to get on our feet, so to speak, to get some toddler legs under us. And I had booked an opportunity to be at a conference, a very major conference in New York, the, this particular weekend, his graduation was set for a week or a week and a half before, and they moved the date last minute. Oh boy. They moved the date. My heart sank. How can I not go to his graduation? How do I miss this opportunity and miss the opportunity to put myself in a space to be able to give him his opportunities, right? Like all of that is in my head within like this pressurized moment So I talked to my husband. He was in full support. He was like, I got this. Like, I got this. I got the kids. I wanted him to have a mother figure. So I called up his godmom. Like, I need you to be my stand-in. Here I am problem solving, right? Doing all the things. Go to the conference, check in. Hey, babe, is everything okay? He's like, mom, I got it. I'm good. You know, it's all fine. Like, go back to work, do your thing. And of course, I I feel horrible. But, you know, my family said it's fine. And if I was a husband, it would have been no problem. Go on your, take your flight, do whatever you need to. But as a woman, it's, oh my God, what is going on? How could she dare? And I want to say, I didn't know which way it was going to go. And I want to say ballsy, ballsy (laughs) and kudos, ballsy. Yes. Yes. And I did with the resentment that we typically have. Like, I, you know, I can't believe that I have to make this choice, all of that. Went through it, feeling fully supported. And then a few years later, because my son is me too. He could, you know, hold and and stew things. We were in the car, either going or coming from church. I can't remember. And we were having a conversation and he told me that that really hurt him. He said, mom, I know that you set it up. So Aunt Chantel, his godmom could be there. And I was so grateful, but it wasn't you. It's not the same. I needed you there. And there was so much anger 
that came up for me. There was anger, there was frustration, there was hurt, there was pain. And I realized that it wasn't about him being honest with me. It was because I hadn't been honest with the reason why I chose that decision and justified it, which I would do again, by the way. It is one of the two regrets I have in my life and I would still do it again because I knew that that was part of my journey and I wouldn't take it away from my process. But when he said that, that was when I realized I needed to divorce my way of thinking. I needed to divorce the person who was shaming herself for that choice and who felt like she couldn't talk about it and had to be quiet outside of the most intimate circles. And also shaming myself at that time for the reality that if you would have asked me back then, would I do it again? I still would have said yes, knowing how hard it was for me. And releasing that shame through that divorce process literally helped me shake it to own, yes, I would do it again. Yes, I understand that those feelings, that those layers of consequences would still be there. And it was the most beautiful and priceless lesson I could give to myself because it shifted my internal paradigm once I divorced myself. Mm, Wow. And you know, what's funny is if you would have gone to the graduation, missed the opportunity, then how many years, or maybe it still would have continued. And eight years later, here he is done with college and on probably on to his life, that you're not, oh, they met at the conference. That's right. Oh, she took my spot. And it could play a thousand different ways. So it is one of those things. And maybe it's just a reminder that it's not always easy. Mm-mm. You can't please everyone, but to know that you would do it again because you knew it was part of your journey. A hundred percent. And honestly, when I look back at the mistakes, there were a lot of them, right? I was a young parent, first of all. We're grandparents right now, by the oh, way. So well, we're soon to be. This summer it's it's the first one coming. Yay. I can't <laughs> Congratulations wait. in advance. My son is well, he has two beautiful children that are three and four years old. And I, I know that I would be a different human had I not gone through that process in order to get to the the realization that there was a divorce necessary in the first place. Cause I don't think I would have seen the divorce was necessary for many, many moons after by that point, I would have created new scripts and, you know, a whole new world that I would have had to untether from and the process of that could have made me a different grandparent in 2022, right? Than I was as a parent in 2015. So just knowing that about myself and being able to own it unapologetically, I credit that to being intentionally selfish. And so here's a question. Do you love your son any more or any less? Like you couldn't have been more prouder of him? Like it doesn't change whether you're again, physically there or or not. not. No, the only thing that happened for me in terms of the graduation itself is I do feel like I had FOMO, right? Like I was missing out and, and all of it. And there was this 180 degree moment for us that I had intuitively that I didn't share. His graduation ceremony was held at Drexel University, which is where I graduated undergraduate from. And I was pregnant with him walked around with campus breastfeeding him in the back of lecture halls. So there was like this moment that I'm like, oh my God. And they placed it there, which was the part of the change in the date is their original location 
fell through. And so that was just all of that. But when he sat in the car that day and told me, let me be a thousand percent transparent. I'm a black mama. So when your kids <laughs> are say, right? So when Puerto Rican here, it's the same. And you're like, ooh. There's that first, like, who are you talking to? Right? <laughs> like, what? Excuse me? There's that. Checking the tone. Like, you can share all of your honesty, but check that tone. There's that. And then there's the softening of, okay, let me compassionately <laughs> listen. <laughs> so I did, that was my first visceral, like what? <laughs> and it was probably a millisecond, but once I got past that and can really hear, actively listen to him, share it, that is what made me love him deeper. Mm. That made me experience him as a, I mean, he was still a young man, but a grown man who was strong enough to be vulnerable with his mama. Yeah. That made a big difference in our relationship, truly. Oh, and I'm sure he's had good examples growing up. So kudos to all of you. All right, now it's time. Let's switch. So the you have the, the business with your husband. Mm-hmm. Yes. Talk about that. And then I would definitely want to talk about the book. Then I want to talk about the podcast. So yeah, absolutely. And thank you again, Stephanie. You're so amazing. So Business started in 2011, all the shifts really, the shifts of owning who I am, all of that started after my divorce, which was my self-divorce, which was roughly 2017. I still not have divorced my husband for all of you who are thinking we're talking about divorcing. (laughs) You're still with the guy. All right. I'm still with him. We're holding strong. (laughs) We've been together since we were 17 years old and friends since 13. So if he goes anywhere, Lord help the world because he's the only person who can handle all of this. I I tell you that. Um, And then there is, so business is personal development company working with power couples and married women entrepreneurs. Sometimes we work with companies in terms of leadership intimacy as well, but the business is fantastic. It shifted tremendously once I owned who I am. There was the context of bringing in podcasting. So we actually started the first podcast, which that rendition was called Balance Beam. The problem with that is people thought we were gymnasts, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, balance beam. This must be a fitness. But I was like, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm not that flexible. <laughs> so we had a really good run with it for about a couple of years. And then I realized it just wasn't creating the lane that I wanted to create. So we got bolder and there became Balance Boldly, which is the name of our current podcast. Love. Been running that since 2016. Thank you. And it really is all about creating your work life and love balance because everything we do is about love and relationships, self-love, your intimacy with your forever lover. And obviously all of those relationships, your parenting, your siblings, you as a parent, if you happen to be a parent, as well as what you're working on every day, loving what you do. So, And do you find that it all, all roads lead back to you. It all starts with you before. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Part of the growth for me, and you know, as a podcaster, there's so many lessons. <laughs> there's count, like that's a whole series, right? Like by itself, the lessons that you get that you don't even realize are speaking to you personally while you're experiencing, you know, tech difficulties and attracting the right interviewees and declining the ones that are not 
best fit for your show and being okay with the fact that not everyone is for your show and, and all of that. There were, whoo, there was a lot of growth that happened intertwined. Like my podcast is not a business podcast, right? It's all personal development stuff. And intertwining that with the lessons I was having as a newbie, an infant entrepreneur, I didn't realize that I would experience more personal development growth and insights as an entrepreneur than I had when I was in three years of therapy. I had no idea because it exposes so many parts of us, right? No one told me, no one warned me. (laughs) And that definitely made my business better over time, but we absolutely struggled for years. And I'm not just talking about the financial aspects of the business, just claiming my space and being okay with, yes, I'm a licensed clinician and I'm not your therapist, right? Like being okay with the duality of there's acumen and accolades and certifications. And then there is who I am wholly and not just those pieces. And I'm not sure I would have ever discovered that if I wasn't brave enough to come through this road, quite honestly. So the book, is that the memoir that you wrote? Yes. So Selfish, I started writing way back at the end of 2011. I would just record you know, notes into my, you know, back in the day, the actual recorder that we would have separate from the fanciness of the phones. I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, no, no, I'm that old. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So you, you feel me. <laughs> I'm that old and more. <laughs> Some people listen and are like, what? They're separate recorders. Yes. The whole thing, you had to put a battery in it and everything guys. Um, <laughs> so I would just, you know, record along the way. I realized that I was more willing to be vulnerable when I was speaking out loud, thinking no one was hearing me right in the car in between recital drop-offs, all of it. It took me eight and a half years because it was opening up things that I didn't even know were wounds for sure. And when I decided to launch it, it was April, 2020. I did not expect an unsolicited disruptive gift called (laughs) COVID-19. And I will call it a gift as much as I know it's been horrific for so many people. So I don't want to take away, right? But the gift in it for me is it allowed me to release without stalling because I would have stalled like, oh no, there's a a pandemic. How do I release something called selfish in the middle of the world, you know, feeling? Who am I? Who who am I? Bigger problem. Exactly. Pandemic worldwide. What am I thinking? That I prayed on it. I'm an intercessor and a prayer warrior. So I prayed on it and I felt the immediate pressure release in my body and my shoulders and my neck when it was like, this is time. This is when you're supposed to release it. Those who need this story of hope and victory is not a how-to. There's no here's step one through five. It is completely my journey, selfishly about me giving myself permission to pause, live, love, and laugh my way to joy. So reminding myself that it's okay to play. It's okay to choose who you want to play with and letting go some of the change agents that have come in my life, which is what I call all the people. And there were some change agents who brought some very hard lessons about friendship and loyalty and trust and betrayal. Probably (laughs) based on what we were told. And this is the expectation and the definition of friendship or a relationship that suddenly wasn't fitting in the picture while you're sprouting your new growth. 
Exactly. That was a hundred percent what it was. And there was the reality too, that they were there in my life for a reason, all for a reason, changing any of those change agents and any of those lessons would have been the equivalent to me taking back my choice in 2015 to go to the work trip and not go to the graduation. I love change agents versus, well, that bitch or my former friend, or I love change agents because it's exact, like so, you're so dead on divorcing yourself, change agent, like just very, very precision, very intent, love, love, love. So let's jump intimacy. It's almost like what the world needs now is love. And in this funny age of which we can't live without, look at us, we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for social media. We wouldn't have been able to bring our voices for others to hear if it wasn't for, again, the wonderful world of technology. But we're letting these little devices and the earbuds and the turning off really shut us down. And I think that there is a big lack of intimacy. And I don't want to say for the younger, it's my observation. Uh, I don't even play one on TVs. But what I see is these kids today just don't know. There's such a big missing piece and intimacy is so important. It is on so many levels. They don't get it. They don't get it. And it's, I just feel bad. Yeah, I think it's both the younger generation as well as some people that are quite a few people that are in their 40s and like 40s through 60s. I think that the, both of those kind of bookends are experiencing the same social ineptness. One is by choice and one is by just experience, right? Like I think the social generation, I, I can speak to my youngest is 21 I feel strongly that this generation is the most brilliant we've ever seen. They are incredibly brilliant with thinking outside of the box, breaking boxes, in fact, and innovative, and they are socially inept because everything is shortened to the to a, a picture, right? Like <laughs> a picture or one letter. We can't even spell out. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Like everything is being shortened for quickness, for instant gratification. And a lot of the context of the emotions that you would normally express if you were in a different age group or in a different circle of influence would be to share your emotions, to see people's faces and not just hide behind filters or curate your feed so well that you lost the human. Like, well, where's the person, right? And without going to the other extent, because I, I see it with the people in the 40s through 60s too, which I fall in that category as well, where you feel like, well, if I'm going to be quote unquote authentic, then I got to tell it all. No. Oh. You, no. <laughs> I, another favorite word, like, no, that's not your, your permission. That's not your whole past to call bullshit. Like keep walking with that. <laughs> Exactly. And like no one, you know, we don't need to know all of these (laughs) private (laughs) components of you for you to be quote unquote authentic and transparent. And I also don't want to necessarily see that you are like breaking the bank to go rent a private jet so you can take a picture either. Right. Like those extremes, I think, are, are happening on both sides. And part of it, honestly, is because people don't realize 
that there's so much power to deep connection, which is all intimacy is. It's just deep connection. Now we can get into the fact that if we broke it down, it's 12 different parts of intimacy and they're sexual and emotional and recreational and work and you know all the things. But if people were to walk away from anything today from this conversation, besides giving your, yourself space to be intentionally selfish, would be be intimate. It allows you to create your joy when you have healthy, real connections, when you can go from, hey, I had an interview with Stephanie and she was phenomenal to Stephanie and I met up for tea, whether virtually or in person. I got to know more about Stephanie. Then a few months later, I'm able to resource Stephanie, refer to her. Like that's the intimacy going deeper instead of trying to be wider influencers on the surface, the one and dones and and on to the next shot and on to, yeah. It's so interesting to watch. And again, then then there's, yes, I fall in the 40s to 60s group. <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> That's that wisdom right there, Stephanie. That's that you, wisdom. You know, I think, it, it, you know, when you look back on it and really it is, it just comes from been there, done it, and, you know, here's the lessons. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. All of my decisions, I am where I am based on our decisions. And I always look back and I say, and I really wouldn't change anything. Nine times out of 10, we did what we did because it was a fun option. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. Yeah, should it have been perhaps a little more responsible? Of course. Ah, who cares? Because we have this memory instead. And again, the gift of another day to keep it going. Yes. Breath in your body. You get the opportunity to do it different or do it better. Maybe you choose to do it the same. Like there's all of that is a blessing, right? Like it's, there's lessons and there's blessings, but I think every lesson is a blessing. If we see it that way, it's about our perspective And I know for me, having the childhood I had with all of the layers of dysfunction that was sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, you name it, I've seen it, been there, all of it. One of the reasons that I believe personally that I was able to grow through all of that pain and be as resilient as I was, is it was my perspective. I didn't focus on all the negative. Was I aware of it? Yes. Were there crying, fighting, snotting nights? Absolutely. But was that what I was constantly ruminating over on a day-to-day basis? No, it wasn't. I wanted 75% different. And I talk about it in the book, Selfish. I don't know where that that number came from. I totally give it to the Holy Spirit. It downloaded in my spirit literally the second that my mother and I heard her as I was sitting at the top of the steps. I heard her tell my grandmother, who's her biological mother, and her stepfather, who's my step-grandfather, say, keep her then. And she went to go pack her bags to walk out the door. I remember literally saying, I'm going to be 75% different before I had that emotional sadness of, oh my God, she's leaving me. You know, before that sat in, I heard 75%. I understood later as an adult that it was me seeing that there was still some good there with all of the crazy, with all of the horrific there was still good. My grandmother was a nurse. So there's a lot of stuff that I know about the body today that I would not have known had she not planted certain very OCD type 
ways, <laughs> but you know, things in me. There were lessons that I learned from my alcoholic grandfather of why I don't drink, you know, and, and why I wouldn't take my first glass of wine until I was 30 years old. Like there's a lot of stuff that came that was good for me that I didn't understand at nine, but that I started to really receive those early wisdom lessons as I aged. So yeah. You had it in your backpack and were able definitely to draw on it, not knowing why the hell it here's here's something else to collect. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. But also knew not that this may come in handy one day, but it was you trusted it was part of it, the process and it does reveal itself. Yeah. A thousand percent. I love this. I mean, this is, we've just not (laughs) even like laid down this. We haven't even gone through like an introduction and I want to just be respectful of your time. So I'd love to have another session, have a part two to this and just dive a little deeper. I know we're going to open this up for comments and then we can definitely address intimacy. And as you said, there were 12 parts to it because everyone, it's not about, listen, is sex wonderful? Shit. Yeah. But it's not, you saw that there are so many other things to it that we might not even be aware of. And it's our need for, as we learn through the shutdown for the connection And this is, again, this is very nice computer face-to-face. We're not, you know, we don't have to wear masks, but imagine the in-person. I mean, if we were meeting somewhere, we'd probably close the place down tonight where they would be like, these two ladies haven't uh, haven't gone in four freaking hours. What are they even talking about? (laughs) So with that, I say, I would love for you to join us again. We'll definitely get our schedules together and continue this, I think, very needed conversation a little deeper and everybody get your questions ready because we're going to keep talking. All right. Where are we going to find you? Cause you are everywhere. Oh, and thank you for asking me to come back. I appreciate and I accept on air. So I, I wanted to put that out there. I'm so honored by that on so many levels. The easiest place for people to go is just go to the website, bigpro.com. There's a little button for my calendar and we can have tea or go to the next level and have a joy activation call if you want to learn more about our programs. Uh, My favorite place to play is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there as well. Okay. All of that's going to be in show notes. The website, bigpro, T-H-I-G. P-R-O.com. Perfect. Yes. Yes. And then we'll put all of your links and the name of the book. Where are we finding the book? Oh, yes. Selfish is available in 400,000 locations. So you can get it anywhere. So you'll have that information on your website? Yes. And there should be a link in the show notes as well. We really do encourage you all to go to your local bookstore like because it. we want to support our local bookstores. But if that's not an option or it's just not in your wheelhouse right now, Barnes and Nobles is really where we're directing people. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. This has been, it went way too fast. Number one. People's drives might be over. People's walk or workouts might be over. And I get it. So we're going to we're going to leave them wanting for more. And what do you see for the rest of 2022 that we are almost I mean, this is just 
in the express lane, man, flying by almost halfway done when we couldn't wait to get to 2021, which is just a speck in the rearview mirror. So what do you see for the rest of the year? Yeah, I'm feeling you on that. I feel like the, the time is fleeting faster and faster. So for us uh, as a company for 2022, I'm looking forward to a certification program that we're starting in the fall for married women entrepreneurs. And for us, P.S., married for us just means you're in a monogamous committed relationship. If you don't have a piece of paper from your local courthouse, that is okay. <laughs> but monogamy is my comfort place of where I can lead in and, and teach from and it's my experience. So if that's not your jam, I have plenty of people that I can refer you to <laughs> for everyone listening. And I'm looking forward to at least one retreat if I can get it in there. I know that COVID is still kind of dominating the travel space. I'm being mindful that I might have to do it virtually, which is exciting and scary as I don't know what, but, <laughs> but that's what we're up to. Everything is first times. And you know what, the fact that you're willing to try it, as opposed to just think about it, you're putting things into action. And that's, that's always, you're testing it right now. It's untested. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Guess what, guys, this really sucks. Sorry. You know, Mercury and retrograde. We'll right. try again another time. It's okay. Yeah. You get another time to do it. Yeah, I'm all about breaking boxes. Good. Oh, yeah. I love it. No. And certainly playing big, my friend, and staying big. I receive and reciprocate. My cup is overflowing from this. So thank you again. It was a lot of fun speaking with you. And I look forward to our next time to delve further. All right, everybody. Wow. Like I say, did not disappoint. I know you liked what you heard. Go to that website, joyfoundhere.com. I want to hear it. I want to hear all about it. Thank you. Thank you as always for listening. You're going to find us anywhere. You listen to your pods on Apple, on Spotify. Remember Spotify. If you can, if you liked what you heard, they went to five, they went to star ratings. We like the number five, just a suggestion. Anything that you do. We are honored that you're still listening to us and we will continue to listen to you and bring to you what you want to hear. Till next time, be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.